Welcome to Mums on Cloud9. I'm Heather Black, a coach and champion for women in tech and founder of Mums, a global brand supporting mums to develop a career in the Salesforce ecosystem. The Mums on Cloud9 podcast aims to inspire mums to progress their career in the Salesforce sector from starting out to climbing up the career ladder. We provide top tips and insight on how to succeed in your career and overcome adversity that many women can face in the workplace. During this four-part series, I'm talking about how to be an awesome Salesforce admin. And we're looking at the 40 tasks of what a Salesforce admin would do. And this spans everything from system management, data management, to security management, and the CRM roadmap. And you might say, oh my gosh, what are all these things? Well, this is what the podcast and the blog is here for you to, to know and understand, is these are all the things that you should have on your to-do list and to have a really clear plan so you feel like you're in control, you have that authority, and you know what you're doing as a Salesforce professional. So today we're going to be doing a deep dive into security management and thinking about what that entails. And I'm delighted to be joined by Hetty Boardman-Weston, who is Head of Marketing and Sales Operations and ACA Salesforce Admin at Provar. Um, and she's going to be talking to us about how she keeps their system safe and secure and also how Provar as a product helps other Salesforce customers keep their system secure as well. So Hetty, welcome to the show today. Do you want to just introduce yourself and tell them a little bit more about your job day to day? Yeah, sure. So thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, as as you mentioned, my name's Hetty and I work at Provar. Um, I've been at Provar for, I guess, almost seven years now. Um, I, I started in the marketing team, actually, but um, recently moved over to operations. And I sort of loosely, my responsibility is for kind of enabling the business systems that sales and marketing use, of which Salesforce, of course, is a key one. Um, but there are other teams as well that use Salesforce too. So it, you do need to have quite a good general knowledge of all of the Salesforce technologies and how they can can interact with each other and sort of enable different different functions. So it's it's a really interesting role. It's quite broad and varied. Um, within the team as well, we do have someone who sort of supports on the sales admin side and does some of uh, sort of routine Salesforce administration as well. So user management, that kind of thing. Yeah, fantastic. It always fascinates me how Salesforce admins get packaged up into other jobs and roles. And it helps people understand about where they could go and what they could do, um, particularly if you've got that appetite for marketing and sales more generally as well and, and sort of being part of their key operations team. So it's fab to have you here. And we're going to do a deep dive into the security of your system and also what Provar can do. And I suppose just to set the context for the listeners, um, security, you know, it can feel like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, my job is to keep all this data secure. And actually, that is quite a responsibility for somebody in an organization. Um, but what we want to ensure and kind of give, give you the, you know, to equip you with today is to say, well, these are things that I need to do because it, with every job, there's a level of authority and responsibility. And it got all every job will feel scary if you don't have a plan of action, you don't know what you're doing or what you need to do. And so if we can demystify it and really just bring it to light today. Um, you know, if you are a Salesforce admin or you're choosing to be a Salesforce admin going forward, what we want you to feel um, more assured about is that you have a strategy that you know what you would need to be doing if you were responsible for keeping a Salesforce system secure. And the risk being that if people can access your system, if they've left the organization or by accident or on purpose, you know, heaven above, you know, obviously hacking and cyber hacking does happen. There's various things you can put into place to minimise that even happening in the first place. And that is the job as a Salesforce admin. 
um, you know, it's to keep your house and safe and secure a bit like if you're living in your own house and you lock the door every night. Right. You know, there's that sense of responsibility of locking your windows, locking your doors and shutting it down. And that's what a Salesforce admin has to do. They need to make sure that they've got these things in place and they've put security policies in there and data is secure and protected. Because if we don't take that level of responsibility, there could be a data breach. And if there's a data breach, then a company could be liable for financial penalty or damaged reputation. Now, if you have shown that you have put in place those security policies to the best of your ability and tested those security policies, so we're going to talk about testing as well today, then you have done the best job that you can do. And sometimes there are inevitably things that might still happen, but obviously the risk and the sense of um, responsibility and fault of the company for example would be minimized if you have put everything into place that you need to do so that's what we do at Supermums. we train you on how to be a proficient salesforce admin we want to make sure that you feel equipped and you have everything in place what your responsibility is is to make sure that you're completing these 10 tasks related to security and making sure that you have them in place so let's unpack all of this a little bit more with Hetty, and Hetty will talk about it, say, from her perspective on what she does day to day and also how Provar supports customers in this area. And we're going to look at security and data protection separately because there's sort of two different angles and lenses to this. Obviously, the, the having security in place protects your data, um, so they intrinsically do link. Um, but there's, in, in terms of a strategy of how you'd tackle it, there's two different areas that we focus on. So let's talk about security first. So Hetty, talk me through how you've aligned Salesforce to your security policies as a company. Yeah, so I guess one of the things for Provar is Provar maintains a 27,001 certification. So that sort of demonstrates the security of our policies, procedures, technology, infrastructure, and so on. I guess in Salesforce terms, that also informs the way that we're managing our org. So we we do vet any third party applications very carefully. Um, we look quite critically at what data is being shared and how, um, and we try to be as transparent as possible um, about that in terms of the way that we write our internal policies. Mm -hmm. um, we're also quite careful around things like masking personal data in sandboxes. So obviously, if you've got a developer sandbox, you're not going to have any data that's copied across from your live environment. But if you had a full copy sandbox where you were doing some UAT or you were making it available to um, a third party company that was doing some some development for you, uh, it is important to make sure that any personal information in there has been masked and anonymized, um, because I think those things are quite often forgotten about. And when it comes to security, this is quite often the site of data incidents. So it's not just about securing a live environment. It's also about mm. thinking about those sort of miscellaneous extra parts that your business users may not be so familiar with. Really interesting. And I think, you know, people people listening might go, well, what, what's a security policy? How do I start one of those? And I think that's why, you know, informing your knowledge around ISO 27001 or um, at Supermums, we are aligned to Cyber Essentials, for example, as well. Um, you know, having understanding of these different security policies is important and that you're kind of then benchmarking your products that you're using and, and aligning that product to that safety protocol really. Um, so there is some additional learning that I'd really recommend people do is to start to understand well, what, you know, what are cyber hacks? You know, what is the security policies that we need to have in place? 
and how does Salesforce then sort of fit into that and say any other third party systems. Now, once you've got these procedures in place, how do you check the ongoing security of your system, Hetty? Because it's all very well setting up at the beginning, but then you could say, oh, that's it. Now it's done. Like, <laughs> you know, how do you know that it's always going to be safe and nothing has been changed? Of course, that, that's the challenge, isn't it? You set it up at the beginning and then um, real life happens and you need to kind of ensure the ongoing security as well. So I, I guess speaking to, to your point about the, the various different certifications you can have, I think ultimately you need to implement security controls that are appropriate for the sensitivity of the kind of data that you're holding. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not just about a kind of pro forma, one size fits every company uh, security policy. It's also about the kind of data that you're capturing and why. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one of the principles in the GDPR, for example, is um, only capturing the data that is essential for your business and which is going to yes. c- provide some value to the data owner as well. So I, I think maybe a good place to start with uh, security, and it's quite a basic one, is looking at the standard Salesforce health check. So this is something mm-hmm. that's available in Salesforce setup. Um, And it gives you a fairly basic score sort of based on a scan of your security setting. So you get a sort of one to 100 score and it's highlighting some of the areas that you may not even be if you've inherited the system, you may not even be aware that those are um, features that are being used or they are things that Salesforce has put on end of life, you know, legacy stuff, which needs to be updated to avoid um, any security instance that way that kind of thing. There is a really good um, trailhead course about all of this actually as well, which I think is called Security Basics. And that goes through the health scan uh, and some other tools in a bit more detail. That's fabulous. And we've got the link actually to some of these checks and the um, the blog that accompanies the podcast. So listeners, please do check that out. If you're thinking, oh, what are these checks? You know, go and have a look. Um, and Hetty also mentioned like GDPR, which is um, our data protection policy that's uh, relevant particularly in the UK but um, having a look at your various data protection policies in your given country depending on where you're listening on you know it's the same sort of process really is just make sure that you're kind of aligning to those those elements so in terms of the health checks Hetty um, you know would you look at those monthly or quarterly do you think? Yeah we try to do it on a monthly basis and then make a plan of action depending on what that reveals. Um, The other thing that is quite helpful is I know Salesforce sends out pretty regular emails to the admins in your org which are telling you about things that they are planning to end support for so legacy APIs that kind of Mm. a thing. So they will often be revealed in the security scan but you do get those ad hoc reminders as well and it's important to read them and actually make a plan of action rather than just (laughs) marking them as red and and I don't know what to do. <laughs> yes, I, I'm going to learn about this today. I mean, that's that's the joy of the Salesforce admin, isn't it? You always feel like, right, I'm going to learn something new and I'm going to embrace it because you don't know how to do everything. You know, there's always more to learn. So, um, yes, that's a, certainly a trigger for learning something new. Definitely. So let's talk about um, logging into the system. So we've talked about setting up the protocols and everything, but one of the things that has come up, you know, in conversations before is like, well, you know, can people log in from anywhere and what to stop somebody else logging in? And it can, you know, how how easy is it for people to log in or nick somebody's protocols or things like that? So can you talk us through some of the, the best practice for creating secure logins? Yeah, so um, something that Provar does, and I don't know whether, I don't think every company would necessarily do this, is we have um, 
a single sign-on procedure for logging into Salesforce. So we sort of control um, that as a method of login. Um, every employee will have one login for their laptop, for their Provar email, for their uh, Salesforce account, and for other business systems that they're likely to be using. Mm -hmm. So that's quite helpful because um, it allows us to sort of manage employee access centrally. So if somebody left a laptop on a train, uh, we can deactivate their user across all of those platforms immediately. Mm -hmm. And that sort of mitigates the risk as long as the employee reports it to us, that really mitigates a lot of the risk around um, those potential data breaches. Um, It also allows us to enforce good password management, I suppose. So around making sure that employees change passwords on a regular basis and Mm -hmm. things like that. So that can be enabled through single sign-on platforms. But if you don't have a single sign-on, then you can always control that directly in Salesforce itself. So I know you're able to control the frequency with which users need to change their passwords and also things like how long the session can remain active for. So how long does somebody stay logged in um, in case they're using a a joint computer or leaving lots of tabs open, things like that. Yeah, no, they're really good examples. And I guarantee there'll be laptops and mobiles lost and left behind. Oh, gosh, yeah. (laughs) We've had planes, we've had trains. (laughs) (laughs) And I've I've got my hands up. I was one of the ones that left my laptop on a plane once. (laughs) And then one of my staff did it. I said, I can't really complain because I did that one. (laughs) Happens to us all. I know. It's when you put it in the back of the thing and then I get distracted. So now I'm double check everything when I get off a plane. But um, (laughs) it's obviously bad of head thinking about other things. So, yes. Keeping login secure um, and all those great tips you mentioned there are definitely things to have in place. And then Provar supports with security testing because the thing is, I think with Salesforce admins, you um, you think with Salesforce admins, you know, you've set everything up and you're like, right, okay, I'm, you know, how am I confident that this is actually secure for different people and different users? Because from your point of view, you can perhaps see things, but how do you test it? So can you talk through a little bit about how Provar supports Salesforce customers with security testing? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess there's two key points here. So the first is um, in terms of Provar's test automation software, that would allow users to create test cases to verify their security settings. So that could be something like checking that the right users have the right permissions, or it could be testing different application behaviors and looking at the visibility of fields, components, based on the permissions that a user has been granted. So testing, for example, that somebody is able to change the ownership of an account record would be an example. And you you can test that while logged in as a particular user with a particular role and profile. So that's quite helpful. Um, And I guess the second key point around security is perhaps in the in the application itself within Provar. So we don't store any customer data or credentials. That's quite important. Um, In fact, those remain, they only exist on the client's infrastructure. So Mm. even even with that, we then allow the customer to specify their own encryption at rest keys, Mm -hmm. and they can be different for uh, different environments. Um, And then it only allows teams access to the systems that they should be testing. 
Fantastic. And, you know, testing is really important, isn't it? Because, again, going back to the risk here is self-surviving, you're like, right, I've done X, Y, Z. But testing is that extra bit to make sure that you've, you've got everything in place. And Provar security testing is just one of the things that Provar does from a testing point of view. So having, um, you know, a tool that allows you to do sophisticated testing just gives you that peace of mind. You can sleep at night, you know that things are OK um, and you've got everything in place. So it's definitely worth getting those extra third party applications as Salesforce administrator, just to know that it's all, all hunky dory. Um, so let's look at data protection, moving on to that sort of topic, because we've set up all these security protocols. Um, and, and that's in principle to keep data secure and protected. But there can be little accidents that happen internally. I mean, I've had a Salesforce admin that deleted a load of workplace before now. I was like, you know, that was possible. <laughs> Or data can be, get deleted through an import or something like that. So how do you back up data if um, there is, you know, if there's an accidental or on purpose data deletion from, you know, a user from a, an import or, you know, say, you know, somebody hacks it for whatever reason? Yeah, and we've all been there for sure with those sort of data mistakes <laughs> that you then have to rectify. It's one of those scary moments. So uh, I guess there's lots of options for, for data backups, and it sort of depends on what your ideal rollback plan looks like. So we started out by using just the standard Salesforce scheduled exports. So using Salesforce setup, you can schedule a, for example, monthly export of all of your data, and then once it once the file has been prepared, you can download it and um, store it somewhere secure. Mm -hmm. And then if you had any sort of data incident, you could go back through the files and comb through them and find a way of, of re-importing them. So that's mm -hmm. that's helpful, I think, for peace of mind. Um, I think there are now some slightly more sophisticated options. So you've got things like gear sets, which would allow you to firstly make a backup, but secondly, also retain the relationships between the Salesforce objects. So I think very often when we're thinking about backups, we think about just literally doing the backup, but then you've also got to think about how are you actually going to restore the data? Um, and if you were going to be doing that with a, a static zip file of all of your Salesforce data, that's fine, but it would take you a while to load everything in, make sure that the Salesforce relationships are maintained mm -hmm. and bearing in mind that this is going into your live environment and you may have other factors at play as well. So there are definitely some very cool, uh, fast peace of mind type options out there. Um, and again, it, it sort of depends on, I guess, the the level of importance of your data, what the what the critical factor would be if you had a catastrophic event and how rapidly you would need to be able to roll back to a previous version of the data. Yeah, already really good questions um, and considerations. And uh, we did a, a podcast in part one of this series, actually, um, with Gearset and um, how to manage your system from that point of view. So you can do a replay on that one if you haven't listened to it already and find out a little bit more about how their product works. Um, and continuing on the subject of data, it can be a little bit of a, a messy piece when you haven't got data police, if you like, you know, nobody owns the data. So who's responsible really for like keeping it clean and keeping it safe? Um, everybody uses the data. And I'm really always intrigued as to how you create a data governance strategy. And we covered data as part of two. So we're not going to go necessarily too in depth around that route right now. 
But from your point of view, Hetty, how do you own and manage data in the system in terms of keeping it safe and secure and trusted? Yeah, I think that's such an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, I think the 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 short answer is ultimately it's a, a kind of a joint effort with different teams responsible for different types of data. Um, I have heard of some companies using RACI matrices to sort of assign data roles per master entity. Um, so, for example, assigning somebody responsible for accounts, uh, someone else accountable, somebody consulted, somebody informed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would probably be overkill for a lot of organisations, and, and we don't do that mm-hmm. uh, personally. But I think ultimately it's probably a good idea to have a data management plan so that you're defining what uh, your data quality means for your organisation based on your business objectives and the needs of different teams. Um, It's really important to understand what objects and what data points are needed by each team and then sort of make sure that your org is customised according to those needs. Um, And some of that could be really straightforward. So, for example, assigning different page layouts to your sales team versus your um, customer support team. Um, and making sure that the key information is at the top or setting certain fields as required, signing validation rules and so on. And there's loads of really good ways of making that a bit more dynamic um, Mm. in Lightning experience as well. So loads of interesting new features coming out around that. Mm. Um, But yeah, I think the key is to kind of come up with that plan and then tailor accordingly. So I guess one example with Provar is we're very aligned to different territories. So we align our sales and our success teams to different territories. And so we're very interested in things like country and and state information. Mm -hmm. Um, So we capture that kind of information very early on in the customer journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also use Salesforce state and country pick lists to enforce that. So Mm -hmm. that allows us to say, okay, well, for this country, these are the state values that we would expect to see, or this one doesn't quite tally up with the country that you've given. How can you take another look at it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that helps us to make sure that the right teams are aligned to the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're sort of doing that from very on in the lead process all the way through to when our customers are renewing and we're sort of engaging them longer term. Mm. Um, And then there's so much to talk about on this, isn't there? Because then once you've got your plan sorted, you've also got possible enhancements that you can do with data enrichment, uh, integrations to other platforms, duplicate management. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff and it it really kind of comes down to to what your needs are and what your quality definition is. Absolutely. And with your, because I like the, the the fact that you have territories and regional layouts, is um, data locked down between those teams or can the USA team, for example, see EMEA's data, et cetera? We keep a fairly open sharing model across teams, which is really mm-hmm. helpful because we are always trying to make sure that everyone's able to collaborate. Um, so often because we're working with, quite large Salesforce customers. So on the enterprise side, mm-hmm. we may have um, a team in the UK that's using some of our licenses and then another part of their organization in India or in the US that's using the licenses as well. Mm-hmm. So it's really helpful for our teams to, they need to be aligned geographically, but having yeah. that wider visibility of other activity that's going on in the organization that's helpful for us but it's also quite valuable to the customer as well because very often we're getting those learnings 
um, and they're not having to repeat themselves every time they they talk to a different person at Provar. Well, absolutely. It makes sense, doesn't it? And that's on a case by case basis, isn't it, really? So for Provar, it makes sense to have that open visibility, whereas in other organisations, as you sort of were mentioned, you can lock down data so it's only visible to people that need to see it. And we talk about you know, this could be on a field basis, so certain information is not visible, or it could be on a record basis based on where that person's based, you might not show it and be visible to certain areas. So for those of you that are you know, new to Salesforce and, and sort of understanding, well, what does this mean? You know, you have so so many different functionality options in Salesforce to really keep data only accessible to those that need to see it. And it very much should be on that basis now going forward, particularly with like GDPR and data protection policies. It's not like, let's show everything to everybody. It's kind of like, what do they need to see? Because also that supports user adoption, doesn't it, Hetty? Like just showing people the data they need to see to do their job reduces confusion and, you know, sort of... Uh, Again, sort of making making sure that they're filling in all the required fields. If you give them too many, they're not going to populate half of them, right? Exactly. I think it can become very overwhelming very quickly if you are providing too many options to a user. And also if you're providing too many ways of doing the same thing. So things like removing extraneous buttons from the layout and extra options, which you're not actually using. Mm. Um, it can be quite a small thing for an admin, but it can be quite powerful in terms of user adoption. Yeah, absolutely. And with that comes like, when do you delete data as well? So again, you don't want to overwhelm people if there's too much data in there and it's no longer fit for purpose. How do you manage deleting or archiving of data, data at Provar? Yeah, sure. So I guess coming back to GDPR, um, we try and follow those principles around data minimization. So as I was saying earlier, only collecting the kind of data that is relevant and necessary for the specific purpose that we're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So um, that would mean only retaining it for the period where it's going to be potentially providing value to the data owner. And mm -hmm. you know, that's not us, that's the, the people that we're interacting with. So um, for example, if somebody comes to us to purchase Provar and then chooses not to proceed, uh, we would look to ensure deletion of that data after a year. Mm -hmm. um, but then it, I think minimization is an interesting concept because it can sometimes mean retaining data in order to continue satisfying someone's request not to be contacted. So mm, if you're looking at, for example, a suppression list um, mm. in marketing, retaining emails in a suppression list is something that we do for a longer period of time in order mm. to comply with those that person's wishes. Okay. So, yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. Mm. But um, I guess ultimately it depends on the level of engagement that we've had with somebody. So if, for example, somebody was engaging with us for quite a long time with an interest in, interest in purchasing, maybe they've done a, a kind of a proof of value exercise where we've looked at some of their particular scenarios and built out some test cases that, so they can see how Provar would actually be working for them in their environment, mm. that's that's quite a high level of engagement from a potential customer. And so mm. we may retain that data for a bit longer so that if that customer then decided to try a, a different solution from Provar and they went off and did that for a year and then they came back, um, if that's within a year or two, we may retain that data so that we can then ensure that that exercise doesn't need to be repeated. Mm -hmm. So in those cases, it sort of depends on the length of the engagement that a potential customer's had with us in order to ensure the amount of data that we're keeping and the length of time that we're keeping it for. But we try to be as transparent as possible as in, in, 
in that kind of thing. So it's all sort of detailed in our privacy policy and um, that sort of helps keep us honest in terms of what we're doing. Well, it makes sense. It makes sense. And you'll find that in, again and again in the UK, obviously different countries have different approaches. You know, any financial information would need to be retained for seven years, technically. So, you know, it's that sort of different data has different options. And having worked as a consultant before, we would set up reports and dashboards that would show, you know, and flag data that could be deleted based on given criteria, i.e., you know, they've not opened up an email for the last two years, okay, you know, or not had any phone calls or engagements. So um, coming up with that criteria of when to delete data is really important, isn't it? And you can be quite creative with that as a Salesforce admin. Um, but if you once you've got those reports in place with the right criteria, obviously you can check that it's working properly. You know, that's an exercise once a month or once a, once a week, depending on the, again, the, the sort of privacy policies or security policies in there you know, you would sort of action that as a Salesforce admin. So it's about having routine things in place, setting it up, knowing what needs to be done when, rather than going, oh my gosh, what data am I deleting on when? You know, you've got to work through that as an organization. As a Salesforce admin, it isn't necessarily your authority to know what to delete when. You need to look up to other members of the team who, you know, on the operations team, for example, who will have oversight of security and ask them what the requirements are and then work with them to come up with the right sort of solution for it. And so finally, on the, the point of Provar here, Provar also supports as a, as a product with customers, um, supports users and data protection testing. Can you just talk to me a little bit about how the product works in that way? Yeah, sure. So um, Provar supports user and data protection testing in terms of creating those non-functional test cases. So these would have rules just like any test scenario. Um, our automation tool lets you create those test scenarios using a, a point and click interface. Um, but we do also have a new native application on the App Exchange it came out this year called Provar Manager. Very exciting. Um, and Provar Manager allows you to sort of bring all of your quality results into a, a single hub. Um, so within that, you could look at the results of your Provar automation tests, um, but you could combine that with looking at your static analysis results, DevOps integrations, or information from a change management tool. Mm -hmm. So that sort of lets you track all the way through from the requirements through to what was deployed and then what's been tested as well. Fantastic. Great. Um, on the summary of that, then Provar can provide in-depth support for security and compliance requirements for Salesforce customers. And so it's certainly you know, valuable to have these third-party solutions and they can provide guidance and advice around how to manage your system. So I think as a Salesforce professional, you're never alone. Um, there's always Google, there's always the Salesforce trailblazer groups, there's always the training that you can do. As I say, at Supermums, we help upskill people as Salesforce admin professionals. Um, and so if you want to find out more about that course, you can come and talk to us today and its course launches in November and then the, the one after that would be February but I think it's been really useful for Hetty to share everything about how you manage things in your org today thanks Hetty for joining us and to give that information to us thank you it's been lovely talking to you no oh, no it's been fab and I think it just brings it to life for people a little bit about what the practicalities of that is and not to be scared of it I don't want you to go away at the end of the session going oh my gosh I've got to manage all this system and keep it secure you know take that responsibility on the chin um you know, there's loads of great sort of 
strategies and guidance around how to do it, to learn how to do it, and just get that sense of um, being in your power with this and being knowledgeable and informed and putting it into place. You know, that's what a Salesforce admin professional is all about. We learn every day, we put things into place, we learn from each other. Um, and we upskill to, to to take that level of authority on. So it's a fantastic opportunity. Thanks again, Hetty. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to all our listeners for joining us too. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have missed part one and part two, do check those out. And next week we'll be with you with part four, which is about the CRM roadmap. So I look forward to bringing that to you soon. Take care, everyone. Have a great day. Bye.